Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of this podcast. Men, as always, thanks for taking the time and checking out today's show. If you're watching this podcast interview on YouTube, if you would, please click subscribe. That way you never miss any content that is posted on this page, whether it's an interview, a study through the Bible, or any other conversation that we're having here. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else that you grab your podcast, make sure you click subscribe. That way you'll always be notified in your feed when there is new Pursuit of Manliness content. On today's podcast, I get the opportunity to talk with Al Robertson. He wrote the book, Desperate Forgiveness, with his wife, Lisa. You may know him from Duck Dynasty or Duck Commander, but we get the opportunity to talk about what that platform was able to do for his family when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Al is an incredible man of God. He's a pastor. He has a podcast called Unashamed. I want to encourage you to make sure you check that out and go to Amazon and pick up this book, Desperate Forgiveness. It is a great read. It's real. It's raw, but it brings you to the feet of Jesus when it comes to encountering true forgiveness in your life. Before we get into this this conversation, I want to remind you right now and maybe let you know that our registration for Tribe is currently open until May 25th, 2020. So Tribe is a six-month discipleship community within the pursuit of manliness. We have had men all over the globe, engage in tribe, committing to six months at a time. There's Bible reading, book reading, weekly challenge videos, Zoom calls. It's an opportunity to engage in a community of men of high character, high caliber men of God, desiring to be better husbands, fathers, and just growing as followers of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more about what it looks like and what it's like to be in tribe, go to thepursuitofmanliness.com forward slash tribe. Once again, registration for this next session that will begin June 1st and run till the end of November. The registration ends on May 25th, 2020. Make sure you sign up today. So men, it's time for today's conversation. At this time, I want to welcome Al Robertson to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. Alan, thanks for taking time being on the show today. Hey, you're welcome, man. And, And when I saw that LSU lid you're wearing, I thought I had found the right man. In well, Indiana. What do they tell you in ministry? You got to know your audience, right? So you have to know. Who there you go. <laughs> the lid for success. I like it, Jared. You're, you're, on my, you're, high, you're moving up my list, man. Amen. I, yeah, I've, I've said in the beginning, I, I've been an L- I think everybody has to have an SEC team. It's just, you know, yeah. they're on Saturday every day. And so that's been my team for a long time, long time. But um, yeah. Well, I understand because it being a Notre Dame fan, which we all have our crosses to bear, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you want to be able to still follow somebody like into the playoffs and other things like that. Yeah, so, we're not getting know. there. That's right. <laughs> they rip our I don't have rip too hard on Notre Dame. They, you guys have been around. Anytime, anybody with a touchdown Jesus is still high on my list. So I, I'm good with that too. I tell people that I don't, God doesn't care who wins, but his mom does because uh, Jesus' mom's sitting on top of one of our buildings. So <laughs> that's um, true. <laughs> We need all the help we can get at Notre Dame. Um, I love your coach, by the way. I'm, you know, but I won't get into all that. But anyhow, um, and love the culture, the food, the seasonings, and all the good stuff. But Al, really, what I reached out to you for was, um, man, I I love what you guys are doing, and in particular, I want to talk about this book, Desperate Forgiveness. But before I get into that, let's let's say there's some people that don't know who you are. Could you just take a moment, introduce yourself, and then we'll dive into what we're going to talk about today. So, you know, I'm, uh, I've been a pastor for 30 years and, um, you know, as a pastor for a long time and I spent the whole, my whole career at one, one place, which was our family church, which is unusual, uh, profit without honor, you know, and all that. But, uh, I had the blessing of being and still am involved and engaged there. And so from the Robertson family, I'm sort of known as two things. I, I mean, they say he, he, Oh, you're the preacher. So, which is a good thing to be known for, or you're the beardless one, uh, which I've noticed here, you got a pretty good thread count going there. You could fit in my family quite nicely. Uh, but I'm of course the outcast, uh, the Maryland Munster, uh, as it were of the, uh, of the Robertson family, because I, you know, shave and bathe and wear deodorant, you know, things like that. So it makes me different. Uh, but I proudly wear it. You know, I get it all the time. So on the podcast, on our podcast, Unashamed, um, I was talking about missing my hair lady that cuts my hair, you know, during the, during the quarantine. And Jace is like, well, you need to do what I do. And I'm looking over there at him and I say, well, what's that? 
and he says, well, I cut my own hair. I said, Chase, your look is really not the one I'm going for. So just so you know, uh, that's, so that's what makes me different. Uh, I'm the oldest brother uh, in our family. And so, you know, I sort of helped raise my brothers. Obviously, people that watched our show, I didn't do a very good job. But, you know, hey, that's what happens when you're the brother. Uh, but, uh, but we're still all close. In fact, uh, just yesterday, uh, after we uh, recorded our podcast, uh, Willie's birthday is today. And so he came out to mom's because he heard we were frying fish. And so, you know, a good meal will draw him out. And so mom was so happy. Of course, Jeff's not here because he's, he's in Austin, but she had three of her sons together. She just kept going on and on and on about it. So we still like being together. Uh, me and Jason, Willie, all live here on the same street. So uh, it's fun to be able to kind of be around family and raise your families together. I will say when the episodes where you have, I think your mom was on there and Willie on there, those are just unbelievable, hilarious. And yeah. I, hopefully Jace rip, reciprocated the gift to Willie for that unbelievable gift he got on his birthday. Yeah, and you notice, I mean, January 5th came by. What, so what I was suggesting is that Willie come back on our episode and that since he gave Jace, what was it, a 50, $50 bills, yeah. I thought if he gave me $100, $100 bills, then that would be the ultimate thank you to your older brother for raising you, changing your diapers, all that. Nada. Crickets. Nothing. That's what I got. Nothing. Nothing. But, <laughs> I didn't even get a text. <laughs> I didn't even get a happy birthday, which I did give him this morning, by the way. So that's what happens. You know, they're just underappreciated. It's always right to do right, Al. So yeah, exactly. thanks for leading out in that. And, uh, <laughs> hey, man, um, your, your book, Desperate Forgiveness, um, I, I saw it laid on your table. And uh, yep. so I, I, on your podcast table. So I, I bought it and I thought, well, I'll check it out. And um, I, I got I to be honest with you, I, I dove right, you know, right in and just started to like, wow. This is very real, very quickly. And so before we get into that, like, at what point did you and your wife realize, hey, we got a story to tell and others would be blessed because of this? Um, because as, as a pastor, sometimes that's tough to, to put your guard, let your guard down and go, hey, we're messy too. You know, at what point did you go, yeah. we're, we're just going to tell our story? Well, you understand, Jared, that, you know, when I had spent 21 years ago now, uh, our marriage just fell apart. And, uh, I mean, it, it seemed like it was overnight, but we had been married for 15 years. I'm working for the church. I'm an assistant pastor at the time, kind of associate pastor, I guess, doing a lot of teaching and a lot of, you know, mission work, small groups. And, you know, I was, it was my home church. So I was sort of the golden boy and everybody loved me. And I had that relationship, you know, with so many people. And so then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, like it's public that, you know, Alan Lisa's marriage is falling apart and uh, she had had an affair and it all blew up and it was ugly and it was messy and it was terrible. And so here we were like so many couples that we had tried to help, you know, except now the, the helper is needing help. And, uh, and so we're trying to figure out what to do. And so like any couple, we were hurt, we were wounded and we were trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out, can I forgive her? She's trying to figure out, can I be different? And so we, that early process was the same one that we've now walked with couples over and over, which is the basis of, of the book that you mentioned, Desperate Forgiveness. But it started way back because it was us. We lived it. We knew it. And so at first you try to kind of run from it. You know, we got back together, obviously. And, and, you know, I was able to extend forgiveness like God forgives me. I was able to look at my own life and see where the areas I needed to grow to help her be who she needed to be. And so, you know, we just kind of started over really at the 15 year mark. And uh, so at first, you know, you kind of like, you talk about it a lot to each other, but you're not really talking about much outside of that because you're healing and you know wounded. But then over time, as God is healing those those wounds, you realize that you've got something other people could use. And so, you know, people just naturally start coming to you because like some had an affair or some terrible thing in their life happened, and then they're like, "What do we do?" And you're like, "Well, you know, here's what we did." And so, we, you know, we started a marriage ministry simply out of just brokenness. And then after a while, people said, oh, you're, you know, your story is so amazing. So now, you, you know, some years are there. It's obvious that the testimony is merging into something that God is doing to help people. And so people start saying, man, you need to write a book. Well, now I'm full bore back into pastor work. And I'm like, who, who would have time to write a book? You know, I'm trying to get three lessons a week done, you know. And so uh, we, we thought about it, but we thought, how would you ever do it? And so then we started like doing our testimony. The first time we did it was at our own church, which was really, really powerful and emotional because so many of those people 
in that audience had helped us walk through that process and had been there for us. And so Lisa and I were both super emotional, but it also really helped open the door and thought, man, this, this might help people. And so we started getting asked to hear and there and come tell your story and blah, blah, blah. So we kind of put that in a format that allowed us to share it. And that kind of became the core of when we wrote our first book, which is called A New Season. And we told our story. Now, we were on the show at the time. This was 2015. And so, you know, because the Almighty had built Duck Dynasty, it allowed us an opportunity to not only just write our first book and, you know, for a handful of people we knew to, to get it, but all of a sudden the whole nation, you know, we're going on Sean Hannity and all these shows and, you know, 700 Club and are able to talk about it because we're part of the Robertson family. And, and I gotta tell you, Jerry, people were shocked. You know, like people were like, whoa, you know, I, wait a minute. I thought, you know, some of them hadn't read dad's story and others. And they're like, I thought you guys were like the ultimate family. You know, in fact, it was funny because when we sent out a press release about the book, you know, our publisher did. So uh, uh, what's the National Enquirer? So they picked up the thing we sent out and then they put it on their website, Duck Dynasty Shocker abortion, adultery, blah, da, 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 da. Like, you know, like they were letting everybody know. And we were like, yeah, we know we, we sent that to you because <laughs> that's what we're talking about in the book. But it just shows you like Sean Hannity, when we were on his show, he was like, why would you tell all this stuff? It's so bad. Like, you know, y'all are really bad. And, you know, by now we're, you know, 15 years removed from that point, but he couldn't understand it. He was like, people love you. They, they don't want to know all this stuff. And we were like, no, Sean, you're, you're totally missing the point of why we did it. We're doing it to help people because there's all these people out there that need some kind of hope. They're just like in a desperate, terrible situation. They need to know that you can survive. You can put it together. You can rebuild, you can be renewed. And so, you know, people don't understand that unless they have a ministry heart. And I know you get it because, you know, you try to help people all the time. So that was sort of the genesis of what then led to that book. And then ultimately desperate forgiveness. We call it the sequel to our own story. In fact, we open it with our story because, you know, that's kind of where we started. But then we, then we can tell stories of other people that now over 21 years, we've seen healed, we've seen able to extend forgiveness. And of course, you tie that in with all the biblical stories about forgiveness and you've got, you know, a blockbuster idea for a book. Yeah, the, the Bible's, every family is loaded with that in, in the Bible. But, exactly. You know, page uh, 12 and 13. So we're early on in the book. You just had this, this, phrase that says without forgiveness desperate people tend to sink deeper into a place of despair depression and destruction at least until they seek relief and restoration and we were saying just a bit ago without you know repentance there really is no forgiveness and so for that person like like you guys in your scenario or the people that you've walked with where do you start what's the starting block ground zero here we go there's nowhere to go but up from here and, you know, it doesn't have to be marriage. We kind of focus there because that was our deal. It could just be some other broken relationship because we talk about a lot of that in the book. Maybe it's a parent to a child or two siblings, you know, whatever. I mean, because that's what happens. There's a divide that comes about, usually because of some hurt, some betrayal, some sinful situation, whatever. And then the first place, if you're ever going to find healing in a pathway back to relationship and reconciliation, it's got to start with both parties looking inwardly I got to look at me I mean like it's easy for me to look at the other person and say well if they weren't this this and this we could have a great relationship and that may be true I mean that they may be adding a lot of that in there but I always say if you want to have a relationship with someone you realize you're half of that relationship and so if it goes south then whatever happened you help contribute to whatever you know made it go down so it has to start inwardly and that's what Lisa and I learned you know so while she was working on her in our case, when we were split up, uh, trying to figure out why she had become this person. And, and, and that she started down that rabbit trail and that journey uh, with a very great Christian counselor that we still send people to 21 years later. This blessed, blessed, now she's a little old lady, is still helping people. And we still send her people. I just sent her somebody <laughs> like two weeks ago. And, uh, but, but Lisa started that journey for her. But then, so what do I do? It's not just about me, can I forgive her for having an affair? I helped create an atmosphere where this was possible. And so I started having to look inside out, you know, and I started seeing some things I didn't like, you know, I was totally all in on the bride of Christ, but I wasn't all in on my bride, you know, who, who God had put me in her life to be her shepherd and to help her and to love her and to take care of her and wash her with the word of God. But I wasn't doing that. 
I was spending all my time with everybody else's marriage. And so I learned a lot about me that helped me understand. I want to, I want to help the almighty create an atmosphere where we both become something really dynamic. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we started was the inward look. And then we walked together and, and it's still the same pattern that, that we try to help people with. I, I, currently, in fact, I was just looking at my phone as we're doing this, we've got a couple from, uh, I think they're from Alabama and there's a connection with the guy's dad, but an affair happened. Same deal. He, he says, Hey, Al, you know, is there any way you could help my, my son and his wife? They're right where you were at the beginning. And so, you know, every day I'm getting texts from this young man, you know, because he's walking through those early days. And so I keep telling him just what I just told you, you got to look inwardly, you got to work on you. She's working on her. That's great. You can't look too far ahead. You've got to just let it be built. You know, so you didn't get to desperation overnight mm -hmm. and you're not going to get to restoration typically overnight. I mean, you may have the epiphany and say, now I understand, but it takes time for God to build that into you. Yeah, we, I tell guys in ministry, and I've had to learn this too, that God never desires you to sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry, that we can be incredible human beings in the pulpit or in ministry. And I remember doing children's ministry and pouring all my energy into that and pouring no energy into my wife and, and child. But yet I'm telling men how to lead their homes well. And it's just being a hypocrite, you know, and That's thankfully right. God saved me from that throughout years of that. But one of the tensions I think through as I talk with guys and we think about some of this is sometimes people seek forgiveness from people they're never going to get it from. Maybe the person has passed on to the other side. Maybe they just, the relationship is gone, or maybe you just don't know how to even get, how do you reconcile that where you say, I want to forgive them, but I don't even know if I'll ever see them. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one of the tougher ones. And we deal with that in the book and then, but I deal with it so much in real life. And you're right. I think the hardest one is what happens for someone that has hurt you deeply and that has left this gaping wound and then they're, they've gone, they're gone. They're, they're dead. What, you know, there's no way for you to go back and make reconciliation and have that conversation you'd love to have. And so people feel trapped in that, but I always tell them, look, that can't be fixed by them. And so now you're left with you and the almighty and how to, how does forgiveness now help me? You know, because forgiveness is as much about helping you as it is to be able to release somebody else. And so I always say, look, you've got to make a decision that you don't want old wounds and hurts from someone else to now dictate what you think and what you do. And so the only way to do that is with God's help is to release that, that person. And the only way I know to release somebody from hurts and wounds is to forgive them. And you can do that posthumously. I mean, you can do that. In fact, you have to, uh, I did a, my, my cousin who was 51 at the time, uh, got hooked on opioids for about the last 10 years of his life. Um, and wound up committing suicide in a local jail here in our area because he got picked up that third time, turned into a dealer to feed his own habit, uh, totally lost two families. He lost his first family, his wife and daughter, and then the second wife destroyed, betrayed everybody in our family, including me, including my parents, everybody that tried to help him. And look, we loved him. He's you know, one of my close cousins. He, he took his life in that jail cell. So I'm speaking at his funeral. And so think about it. I'm looking at these three or 400 people and almost everybody there is, is, a, is part of my family because, you know, he's my cousin. And so I come into that room, like I'm having a hard time, like, you know, because he's just, the last 10 years were so bad. It was something really interesting. So I'm just, I mean, I've got my thing prepared, what I'm going to say, but I'm really inside. I'm fighting it. You know, I'm just to be honest, you pastor to pastor, you get it. What am I going to say? Like I had my stuff I was going to say, you know, but then I'm like, what am I really going to say? Because this is my family. This, you know, how, how is this going to work? And so, you know, they show the slideshow. You, know, you see it in so many funerals where you see those pictures. It totally flipped my heart because I started looking at those pictures of when Trey is his, is his name. When, when Trey was young, when he was a kid, when we grew up together, when he was a teenager, when he first got married. And I married him, he and his wife, first wife. And, you know, I just was looking at all those pictures and I thought, oh, that's, that's the guy I love right there. That's the one. But I realized most of his life was that guy. It was only the last 10 years that the evil one had ensnarled him. So, you know, I hadn't really planned this, but at the end of my, everything I said, my comments, I said, look, let me just have an honest moment here with our family. Almost everybody in this room has been hurt and betrayed by Trey. Uh, you know, I'm looking at his daughter who's there, both his ex-wives. I said, you know, some of us much deeper than others. But what happens if we walk, we can't, 
we can't fix it now. There's no talking. We're not having another conversation. He's gone. So what are we going to do when we leave out of here? How do we move forward? Because if we let those wounds, especially the last 10 years of all the betrayal and all the ways took us for money and all this stuff, if we go forward with that, then we're the ones that are going to bear that burden. And we shouldn't do that. So, and I just, I, I said, I'm just asking, I said, I know some of you can't do it today. I get it. This is on the spot. I said, but let today be a starting point of offering forgiveness for everything Trey did to hurt you and, and then make a proclamation that you're not going to let that hurt and pain have any more hold over your life. Well, I'm watching, you know, and obviously a lot of tears and afterwards his daughter was just weeping. Cause I mean, she had totally been alienated from her dad for a pretty good while. And, but it opened a door, you know, that something could be done about. So that's a very personal moving story for me, but you know, I realized that's the answer is forgiveness. And even if the, even if the person can't receive it, uh, it's still good for you to give it because it makes a big impact on you. Amen. I, I think about, you know, preventative maintenance, you know, left of bang. How do we not get into these scenarios? And, and in chapter five of your book, you, you, you're referencing illustration or stories from the Bible throughout the entire book, but chapter five is David and Bathsheba. And I say, if David and Goliath is known for the, the victory, then David and Bathsheba yeah. is, is just as famous for the failure. And, and, and so we have this destructive situation and uh, we have, you know, Uriah dies, a baby dies and it's, ter it's terrible. Eventually there's a Nathan who rebukes David, which is a very gutsy move to yeah. rebuke a king. David didn't handle bad news well, and so Nathan does that. So my question to you would be, you know, one, how do we get a Nathan who we have given permission to speak into our life when they see things that aren't, that aren't going well, but how do we get that Nathan on the left end of that so it happens before we get to the other end of the timeline when there's destructive happens? So how can we get the right people in our life, or how do we pursue them so that they can speak truth and say, Hey, Jared, I see something in you. I just don't think this is good. This is sinful. This is, you know, whatever. That's a great point. And, uh, you, and you made the point is that you always have to have someone in your life that will speak truth to you. Uh, you know, let's face it, a lot of times we got a lot of friends and people we have acquaintances, people we work with that we like each other. And the relationship is pretty good as long as we all agree with each other. But those aren't people necessarily that will tell us the truth. They may see something about us that they know is not beneficial, but, you know, they're not willing to go there. And, and so you've got to have that person, that deep dive in your life. that when they see something, they'll tell you about it. And it's interesting because you're right. David had, had built such a, a fallacy and, a, a, you know, he had built this whole fantasy world that everything he was doing was not wrong. And so, right. and none of the people there around him, all the yes men, nobody is going to say a word. And you know, you, you know, you remember in that scene when it first happens in second Samuel 11, you know, there's some servant that comes that he sends down there to inquire about her. And he's like trying to give him all the clues. Like he's, she's Uriah's wife. She's, <laughs> you know, you can tell it's like, he's trying to speak yeah. truth to him, but he's like, David at this point is gone. He doesn't care. And so that person, that servant, they went as far as they could go. And so if that's the people you have surrounding you, you're never going to be challenged. But there was that guy and there was that guy who was willing to, to pierce this fantasy world that David had built for himself because he was destroying the entire kingdom. I mean, everybody realized it. nobody's going to respect him. His family just completely gets shredded from this point forward. And the reason why they lost respect for their dad, I mean, all the stuff with his sons and the, and all the bad intrigue that happens out, you look at it, it's from this point forward, even though David repents and comes back to God, his family would, was altered forever mm -hmm. because yeah. of this whole episode. So your point is well taken that you got to have somebody willing to speak truth. And then of course you got to be willing to listen. And at first David wouldn't, he's like, wait a minute. You know, he's because Nathan really sets him up by telling this great story and he's like, oh, this guy needs to be killed. And it's like, uh, you're the guy. <laughs> so you know what I love about that? If you pair that story and you go and read Psalm 51, which, by the way, was back to my story and Lisa's story, that was a huge piece of our puzzle. And I can't tell you how many times now I tell someone that comes in repentance and they've just really been, they've done terrible things. And I think I'm the worst person in the world. How can I ever recover from this? And I always give them an assignment. I said, this first week, you go and read Psalm 51 every day. You feast on it. You, you let it penetrate your heart. Like you read Psalm 51 because Psalm 51 is the moment 
when David realized he wrote it all down, what he had done to God first, and then what he had done to everybody else in his life. And so at least, and I call that truth vomit. Uh, you know, it's where it's, it's where like you can't hold back anymore how bad you've been. So you just like go, Bleh, you know, and it spiritually, it just comes out. That's what Psalm 51 is. It's, it's David's truth vomit. And Lisa describes when she speaks now, and I, I don't know sure if it's in the book, it may be, but when she speaks now, when she talks about the moment where she was like laying in the backyard and just like, you know, I realize this is my time. I mean, all that just came up. This is who I am. This is where I've been. And it went back to her being molested as a child and all these things that just caught up in it. And she just like, it all came out that first night and then it's been out ever since. And so that's a powerful story to understand about exactly what it takes sometimes to get there. But sometimes you got to have that prompter. I did a lesson years ago. Sometimes you have to be caught to be taught. And in a lot of people's life, that's the way it is. You'll run, 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 and then you get caught, and then you get publicly embarrassed about something you're doing, and then it's like, okay, I get it. Now now I'm willing to be, be taught what to do. Yeah, that story is in the book, and boy, it's it's gut-wrenching, you know, when you but we all can understand that moment. If you've come to yeah. true repentance, you understand that moment of like, we're not talking about behavior modification. We're not talking about moral judgments. We're not talking about religion or even theology. We're talking right. about finding true repentance that can only be found in Christ. And That's so right. if you don't find that in Christ, you know, the sacrifice of his death, burial, and resurrection, and then that's available to us, what you're going to do is change the, is the rest of your life. Just try to be good. And that's exhausting. The old Testament proves the fact we can't be good. There's only yeah. one that was good and he died. That's right. So, how do, how do we drive people towards that? Like we're not, you're not looking for behavior modification. You're looking for Christ to come in, be Lord and savior of your life and redeem you and then pursue righteousness and take on godliness. And how do we get them towards and him? And that's why we, that's why we have the power of testimony. That's why we yes. wrote our book. That's why we talk about revelation twelve eleven. you know, the power to overcome the evil one is the blood of the lamb is the word of your testimony. And the fact that you're willing to not love this life so much that you would shrink back, even from death itself, you're willing to talk. And so I, I tell people all the time, there's only one thing you're an expert about really in this life. Now, some people are experts about multiple things, but there's only one thing everybody's an expert about, and that's you. You know you better than anybody else knows you. And the only other person that knows you more than you is the almighty who made you. So, you know, you have to go through and you have to talk about the things that weaken you that strengthen you and you have to be willing to be led by other people's example. And so the reason people like us tell our story is because we don't want a young couple to fall into those same traps. We would rather you start back way early because you keeps coming back to this thing about why am I, why am I on Facebook and seem to be looking to connect with somebody in, in a way that's not healthy for my marriage. I'd rather somebody stop it at that level until you start a relationship that then damages your marriage and possibly ends it. And then you get to that point where you can't put it back together again, which happens all the time. So I'd rather go back and say, let's start back on the front end of that thing. Why did Job say in Job 31 that I made a covenant with my eyes not to look less with a girl because he doesn't want you ever going down the road of pornography and, and all these poison that comes into your brain, into your mind. He's saying, even back then, and think about it in Job's day, all he's looking at was eyeballs and ankles. You know, there's, it, that was Burka city in that day. And yet he's still saying, I don't want to, you know, I don't look at the curve of the, of the Burka and decide that, you know, I'm going to follow that pursuit. So, I mean, he, and think about that in the modern era, you know, so I've got a couple of guys that, that watch our podcast and they're young guys. I don't know, how they are because they've just sent me emails and just said, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And, and I get it. And so they're like, what can I do? And so we're making a connection with these guys. So I'm able to talk to him about Job 31, which, you know, he never heard of before and able to guide him to every man's battle, you know, great book that, that helps people. So, I mean, God is, you do that because you're trying to stop it on the front end before you have all these years of bad habits sinful behavior and then stuff that just accrues that then you don't want to have to get to that backyard moment. If you can help it, you'd rather do it incrementally just to be stronger and better and to be free. Like you said, this is not about legalism. This is about being free in Christ. Amen. I was thinking of someone 
as you're getting to that backyard moment who I, I talked to not that long ago about uh, getting baptized and we're walking through it and we're hearing the brokenness and somebody in their life. And I don't, I'm going to paraphrase it basically said, why don't you wait until you're like more broken or like you hit, you know, like, how do you know you're not at, you know, at the bottom right now? And so, you know, as we said, mercy, grace, forgiveness are not traits that are lost on people. And I think, you know, you reference James talks about a double-minded man and James yep. also in the same chapter, I believe talks about um, the guy that looks in the mirror, the perfect law of the Lord and walks away and forgets what he looks like. I mean, that, that seems almost uh, silly to us to think that, but how do you, how do you tell the guy that you say, Hey, it's about Christ. It's not about religion or it's not about even denomination or any of those things. It's about Jesus. How do you tell that guy that's on fire for two hours or listens to this and says, I want that or watches your podcast and says, I want that. 45 minutes later is on an Instagram account. He shouldn't be on. Like, how do you, how do you curve that and say, okay, we're missing something here, right? Like there's a, there's a, there's something that's, that's, that's you're, you're becoming double-minded, which is dangerous and destructive. Yeah. And you know, some of that is, is put forth by the evil one himself because the temptation goes before you. And then sometimes you step into that and fall. And then the answer back in your inner spirit, your inner being is that, see, I told you, you're no good. You don't really, you know, Christ can't be big enough for you. I mean, so it feeds into that narrative and then it continues on. And so that's why it's hard to come out of that. You really have to not listen to the lies and be willing to say, look, grace in Christ is enough for my mistakes. And in fact, you know, from second Corinthians 16, the idea is, is that his power is made perfect in our weakness. And so we realize that even in the weak moments, Christ is still there. He's still leading. He's still guiding. And so I have to trust in him and that, and that helps to strengthen me to not go back down those roads. So some of it is not really accepting grace. It's still time to walk it on your own. And you made a great point about, I've had people before that say, you know, I really want to embrace Christianity, but I've got to get stronger because I know myself and, you know, but, but they missed the whole point without the Holy spirit. This is what happens when we embrace Christ. We're never going to be there. We're never going to have the strength we need. So if you're waiting till you get good enough, you're never going to get there. It's never going to happen. Not, not on this side of eternity ever. Not it's on never, this side. That's right. Ever. <laughs> hey, on 179, um, I know that doesn't make sense to you right now. I'm looking at it. It's not fair, but you, you talk about this idea of, passing things on to the next generation. And, and we tell guys, you know, a lot of times I think the studies show that the way that we viewed our earthly father is often the way that we view our heavenly father. And I'd say that's inaccurate and not fair. Right. And in your situation, you, you have two radical different stories, you know, two oh, yeah. radical different stories of an earthly father. So you had to kind of find grace in your own way. As you look back on your own life, and I, and I do it as a father of three, how can we make sure that the things that we that we get an accurate picture of who God the Father is, but that we, we also can break those chains and say, I, I'm not passing that on to the next generation. Yeah, it's a great thought. And a lot of times people who have had a really tough time with their father, especially, um, have a really hard time embracing the, the concept and picture of the father. And so I've had, I've had many conversations through the years about that very thing, you know, and I said, well, look, look, we're, we're humans. And so even as fathers, we're certainly imperfect and make mistakes. So we're not the picture of a perfect, loving father. But remember, the concepts are still the same. Even a dad that wasn't a great dad had some of those ideas of trying to protect you, trying to provide for you. I mean, the, the concepts were there even in weakness and sometimes sinfulness uh, that's there. So look to the eternal father as the ultimate fixer of all things. And so he is the perfect opportunity to fill in some of those gaps, even when you're missing them. And you're right. I had an opportunity to really see what life change is all about because I'm the oldest. So, you know, when I was 10, when dad was converted, so I have a lot more vivid memories. Jace has some cause he's four years younger than me. Uh, and he, to be honest with you, he had more issues with it than I did. Uh, I had some, but I kind of left that behind cause I was a prodigal, you know, teenager. And so part of my coming out of my prodigal years was walking away from some anger and issues I had with dad. So I figured it out earlier on. Jace didn't really have that moment, which I'm thankful for because he, you know, he pretty much stayed on the straight and narrow, but he also really struggled with that, 
memory and concept of that. And he'll, he'll say that now. He's like, you know, he, when he's, and it's funny cause we're all doing podcasts together. So he'll say, I mean, no offense dad, but you know, you weren't father of the year or anything, you know? So he's saying that to dad in the moment and I always just chuckle, you know, cause he's just being honest, you know, but what's interesting is I saw a man who did, who had no idea how to be a father finally submit his life to the eternal father and then become a great father. And his idiosyncrasies and his quirks and the things that make him dad were still there, you know, and some people would love him or not love him, but it made up for everything because now he was leading us spiritually. And I think the perfect example of that is that here, dad's about to be 74 in a couple of days. And here he is with his 55 and 50 year old son doing a podcast together. And he, he, speaks to that quite frequently it really gives him a lot of godly pride that we're having that moment and uh i, I tell people that all the time people with young kids like you may have some listeners that just have young family what what do i do to best lead my kids i mean obviously you're going to say be a spiritual example be a christian lead them in the ways that the lord would, would would tell you to but i always add one more and it's that it's that verse from ephesians 6 4 that says fathers do not exasperate your children and I love that concept because what basically Paul is saying is that you can overdo it when they're young and when they get older, they're going to run away from you. They're not going to be near you. I mean, you, because why? Because you exasperate, you were too hard. You were too, like you were trying to do the right thing, but it was too much. And so I, I want to, I tried to raise my girls in a way, Lisa and I did that they would, we would have a relationship with them as adults. And as, as I sit here today in my house and, and one daughter lives about 50 feet behind me because uh, we're kind of on a compound and the other daughter, my youngest, just bought a house that's about 100 feet that way. Uh, and we're tearing down the fence. You know, they're, they're fixing the house. So what I'm saying is, in my case, that was mission accomplished. And it doesn't mean, you know, we had not been perfect and we've had you know moments, but I raised them in a way they would have a relationship with Christ and that they would have a relationship with me and their mom, you know, until we go. And, and that's what we strive for. And sometimes there's been some hard moments of truth where we're having to say that's, you know, you can't live this way. Other times there's been love and acceptance and grace and like, man, let's cry through this thing together. And so I think as a young man, maybe that's just starting his family and he's wondering what he can do. Think about it in terms of that. Think about 25 years down the road what's my relationship going to look like with this son or this daughter? And so how I raise them now will make a difference in how it turns out in the end. I love that you said that you can embrace the good while modifying what you said, you know, I'm not doing that or I'm not repeating that or I'm, I'm forward thinking in that. One of the right. things I've always wondered, because I'll tell guys about your podcast often, I said, it's what every guy I think would want. You're sitting yeah. around with your father, your brother. I'm like, Golly, your dad takes great pride in the fact that you are godly men. You married godly women. You have great. Yep. I mean, he's, he brings that up. He baptized. I think it was your grand, granddaughter. Daughter, yeah, in a hot tub. Yeah. Which was cool. yeah. I, but there's a point where there's a conversion that takes place. Okay, you're ten, and you know, I know your kids and stuff. Have you guys ever reconciled that? You know, where like I've, I remember one drive with my one of my daughters. I just apologized to her. I was like, I was a a crummy dad. I was focused yeah. on this or, and I, you don't got to get into details, but have you had that moment where you said, we want to reconcile this so that we can just move forward? Yeah, it, we have. And it, you know, the Robertsons, you know us cause you know, you've watched our podcast. We're, we're, we're not very emotional types. We're not very touchy feely. And it comes from actually dad's parents were like just stoic almost. I love them so much. They were great. They taught you great stuff, but they wasn't just come sit on my lap, grandmother, you know, just, she just wasn't that way. And my grandpa wasn't that way. And so it went to their seven kids. And in some, in some ways it went to us, although mom has changed our dynamic and given us also a side that's, that's different, but yes, in our, each one of us in our own way and in our own conversation have had that. And it was really interesting. Uh, we had a moment, I'd say it's, Oh man, it'd have to go back probably 20 years ago. Um, I mean, we're, all our kids were younger. I mean, mine were always the oldest, but we were having some big family gathering. It was probably a holiday and we we're playing dominoes and dad had really been convicted that he didn't, he just never told us he loved us much. You know I mean? There were moments where he did like usually like when I came back to the Lord. And so there were some moments, but it wasn't just a regular thing with him. And again, it was just, he was repeating how it always been. 
And so he told mom that, and then he, and our pastor at the time really convicted him, you know, with a message about telling people you love, you love them and how powerful those words are. Why? I mean, God says that over and over. Jesus said it over and over and over. And so, so dad, it's typical dad. So we're, ha- we're playing dominoes, the brothers, it was me, Jason, Willie and dad, and Jeff is there too. They're just watching. And so like dad just like said, Oh, oh, oh no, and the kids are running around the TV. You know, he says, shut it down, shut it down. So we're all looking and everybody's like, cause you know, it's undad like, and he's like, I got something I need to tell you. And we're thinking, Oh my goodness, has he got cancer? Is it, you know, what, what's he going to say next? He said, you know, I, I hadn't told y'all, but I'm proud of you boys. And, you know, and, and I just wanted you to know I love you. And it was just crickets. Like everybody's so like looking at each other, like this is so weird. And, you know, we don't know what to do. And then finally, I think it was Willie said, uh, we love you too, dad, you know, or Jappers, or, you know, they were like, yeah, love you too. And then it was just like starting the record back up. People started running around. We started playing dominoes again. So later that night, mom told me that he told her, he said, okay, the boys didn't, I mean, I was trying to like have a moment and tell them that I really love it, but they didn't seem to react too well to it. She said, well, Phil, the way you did it, right? <laughs> it wasn't exactly the best way to go about that. But I've laughed about that through the year since, because that was really a moment for dad, you know, to say, you know, I'm not really comfortable in an emotional realm, but I, but I want you to know, I think about it. And so all of us laugh and tell that story now, but it really made a difference to us because we realized he was growing as a man and how he, you know, how his relationship would be with his sons. And so I've always thanked him for that now. And he's much, he's more verbal now than ever. And it's really funny because with the younger generation, like he's the one that first started talking, Carly had been thinking about being baptized for a while, my, my granddaughter, but it was a conversation with dad that sparked her to the moment to say, I really want to do this and Papa Phil, will you do it? You know, and, and that meant the world to him that, you know, and as I said on the video, you probably watched, I mean, this was a great grandfather, you know, baptizing his great granddaughter. I mean, then the, for the first time, it was four generations we're looking at. And so that means something to families when you can when you can keep it at that place. You know, of course, we all marry young down here in the south. I don't know how they do up where you guys from. So we all start about eighteen. So we're kind of all <laughs> we we outlive you know our generation. So in a way, for us, it's worked out pretty well. I remember that baptism because one, it looked very uncomfortable in a hot tub, but she did it. She's young. She's more flexible than I am, but that's right. And then Cy weighing in, you know, and uh, which was great. It was fantastic. (laughs) But I love that, that you bring people in on that story because, you know, I I know for me in in many ways, and my wife could attest that she's not here, but um, Phil's demeanor sometimes and his tact. And, you know, I will say this, I'm not for everybody, you know, you're not, you know, and watching him gives me hope. You know, because that would be me. I'm not, I don't touch people. I don't have to hug people. I said, unless somebody died or uh, I haven't seen you in a while, there's no need to, for us to hug you. Your shirt you showed me today proves that. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 uh, the, what is it? The founder of social business. Founder of, I, I tell our people, I pandemic well. Uh, you don't have to tell me <laughs> twice to self-isolate. Um, That's right. I, I, um, but man, I, I, I want to get you back to, you know, there, there's people carrying stuff. Everybody's more broken. Everyone has more scars and, you know, things that didn't heal and wounds and stuff. It all comes down to accepting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love Romans eight eleven. If the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he too will raise you from the dead. And that, that that's the only guarantee we have in this life, that immortality right. is, is in our grasp. And right. it's one of the reasons why we have this podcast. It's one of the reasons why we look for, you know, with the content we do, we want to, if, if we can kind of change the narrative with some people about what Christianity is, they get this idea that it's a crutch or it's for weak minded. Yeah. And I'm like, right. you should probably go back and read the Bible. It's not that at all. And just you know, speak to that guy who, who's listening and he's marginal and he's not really committed or ever converted or submitted his life to Jesus. Well, I'll tell you what, there's nothing you can do to be more appealing uh, to uh, a, a girl, a woman, uh, your wife, um, than to be a, a godly man that's decisive about following Christ. I just don't know. I mean, I guess there's yeah, maybe if it was some worldly situation where they would just well, get out of my life if you're going to be that kind of guy, but you wouldn't want that person anyway. So the, everybody I know sees that, and you're right, the Bible is full uh, of men uh, who had a lot of problems, a lot of mistakes. I mean, think about it. The Bible is the only book I know of where all the heroes – we're so, you know, had so many issues and so many problems. I mean, we like our superheroes being, you know, bulletproof. And yet we got a lot of riddled 
leaders. And yet the one common thing they had was their faith. I mean, what made Abraham so great and, and him to be called the father of the faithful is that when he was asked to sacrifice his own son, he, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, he reasoned to the resurrection. Now that's a reason. I mean, if you're like saying, you know what, I'm going to do this thing, but God's already promised that this, everything's going to go through him. So he's just going to raise him back up from the dead that he reasoned to that. You know, and I, I find myself struggling with, you know, how do I have a better day today? So you look at that and you see the idea of faith and you follow that path all the way through. And that's what gives men the real strength that they have. And wives and women are attracted to that because women like strong men. They don't like weak men. And the weakest thing you can do is not lead and be a strong man in Christ. And so, you know, it, it's its own evolution, to use that word in a positive way, to see that happen over a person's life. And so when you see a, a group of people get together, now, you know, dad's still our patriarch, you know, and so when we're together. I mean, he's like the old Moses, you know, with the whole look now and everything. He's got it. But we looked to him because he led us. But now what's interesting is that all the brothers in our family, we're our own patriarch. I mean, now, you know, Willie's got his own grandkids and all his kids are getting married. And same for Jace, you know, his kids are getting married. And so we become our own patriarchs and that's how it goes forward. And that's what you do. And so you want to build that generation to generation to generation. And when you do that, it's just what you see in Deuteronomy 6 and other great passages where you're teaching something and exhibiting and being an example for something that's going to last long after you're gone. And that's what I want. You know, I, I can't wait to get to heaven and find people that were impacted by things we did in our little short span here of 70 or 80 years, if we're fortunate, that then had impact maybe four or 500 years down the road, depending on how long the almighty keeps it going. And they come back and say, you know, I just want to thank you so much because of the impact you had on my great, 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 great grandmother. I was able to do this, this, that. I mean, and that would be great, great to hear those stories. I mean, think about it. It's not just for this one linear site we're having now. This is something we're, you know, we want to be impacted long after we're gone. So I can't wait for somebody to say, you know, you did a podcast called Unashamed. You know, and let me tell you what it did to my great, 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 great grandfather that then allowed our legacy to be built. I mean, those stories will be told uh, if we do what God's called us to do in the here and now. I've definitely got that from your podcast, you know, just men of God in the word of God. And the other takeaway I have as far as appealing to your wife is promise her a fish fry to challenge yourself to come back <laughs> yeah. with fish. So I never heard of fish for sex until Jace made that a thing, but uh, we just did a new one. I don't, I guess it's not out yet. So you'll, you'll, you'll get to hear it probably next week about something happening just the other way. He got into a dead fish in a net and he describes the gruesome way he had to get this fish out of the net because he's doing some hoop net fishing. And then he comes home smelling like an alligator guard, dead alligator guard, had just the opposite effect, you know, for days, sleep on the couch, get out of here. So I guess that works both ways. Fair enough. I look forward to, to checking that out. Hey, yes, Al, you got, a, you got a lot of irons in the fire. Um, where can people get in touch with this podcast you've referenced and what, and what you're doing right now? All right. So a couple of things. One is Blaze TV is kind of our arch. You know, they're the ones that do dad show, which is called In the Woods, uh, which is great. It's a subscription show. And by the way, I think there's about a week left. But if you go and sign up now, you save 30 bucks because it's $99 a year. Oh, wow. You say 30 bucks, you can sign up for 69 bucks right now. It's only going to last about another week. So if any of your listeners want to see that, it's great. And you, you said something earlier before we started recording, and I hadn't thought about it like this, but it's a great way to that show is that basically dad disciples people mm -hmm. through that show. Because he's just telling you how, you know, it's just a daily conversation with him in the woods, you know, so to speak. But it's very godly, a lot of really great stuff. But anyway, we got that show, uh, which you can go and check out on Blaze TV. Uh, and then also our podcast is called Unashamed, uh, and they also make that, but it's free, and you can get that on YouTube or iTunes or Spotify, all the places that you would listen to uh, to podcasts. It's been great. We've done 82 episodes, I think, so far. Uh, we're still in the first year uh, of, of doing it. We're releasing three a week now, Sunday, Wednesday, Friday which has been a great blessing. And, you know, mainly just because a lot of people are wanting to buy ads on and all that stuff. And so it's kind of expanded it. And so it gives us an opportunity. We do a lot of viewer questions and listener questions because that drives a lot of our content. We want to, what people are wanting to know and asking is what we want to talk about. 
And then we're also just kind of doing a straight study through the book of John right now as well. So you can check either one of those out. Lisa and I have a website, alandlisarobertson.com. All one big long name, Al and Lisa Robertson.com. And on there, you can find information about our books, um, where we're going to be doing appearances, you know, marriage ministry. We got a blog we release every week on there. So, uh, a lot of good content for folks just to help you in your relationships and especially maybe in your marriage. Yeah, I would say that Blaze TV, I bought that in December. It is, I bought it for $79. It's the best $79 I have spent. My kids, my girls. And remember, think, that's a year. So you're only right. talking about five or six bucks a month, you know, $7 a month. And, and, and thank you for being a good commercial for it. It's worth it. <laughs> I will say this. I only watch one show on there and I say it's worth it. So uh, Yeah, and you got 22 others you can watch. If, you know, if you're into uh, Mark Levin or Glenn Becker yep. and those guys, you get access to all theirs. The good news is, even if you come in now, we've done 500 episodes and the episodes are short. They're about 10 or 12 minutes long, but you can go back and binge and get the whole thing all the way up to the current moment. So a lot of really good wisdom as you found uh, that's on that show. It is so good. And I, that's why I said, I feel like Phil is discipling me. You know, I mean, he's not talking to me. He's just, uh, he's just talking, but I think, um, you know, the quarantine episodes, the, uh, but it's, it's all theologically grounded and, and I just, it's, you know, led to the podcast, et cetera, but I, I love it. And, um, the book desperate forgiveness, I looked on, uh, Amazon, it's like 17 something today, but the audio book is free. Are do you guys read the audio book to people or is that someone else? No, it must be someone else. We never recorded. So <laughs> okay. they don't always tell you how you go about it. So we didn't, uh, we didn't do that when we did a new season, which is our first story. Lisa and I did the audio for you. And we also have a couple's devotional book, by the way, if you're kind of looking for something maybe to do with your wife uh, in terms of spiritual, uh, it, it's called Duck Commander Devotional for Couples. And then you can find it on our website or duckcommander.com. And it's a it's a 52-week. Instead of doing a daily, we do a weekly because it's kind of hard, you know, with a couple to every day. Of course, you probably could now, maybe, but in normal life, that's tough. But you could do a weekly time and should where you have a spiritual you know, uh, time with your wife is a spiritual date is what we call it. So if that's something appealing to anybody, you might want to check that out. My uh, seven-year-old son, when he sees your father on television, says, that's the you say guy. Cause he's always like, you say that, you know? And so we say that <laughs> all the time. And you know, that's funny. I hadn't thought about it. He does. You say, you know, that, that becomes his way of kind of referencing what other people, what they're saying. Cause when I first caught it, I'm like, I didn't think. And then, so he'll walk and go, Oh, you say it's the you say guy. So um, <laughs> that's funny. We, they, they are, yeah, we love it. But uh, man, I thank you uh, for making time out. I can't thank you enough. Great conversation. Love what you're doing. And I love watching watching uh, your church online, your, your worship guys and stuff and killing it during yeah. the quarantine and, uh, and blessing people all over the globe. Well, same back to you, Jared. I mean, you, you just sent me an email, you know, as, as Ben Smite listened to the podcast, but I've loved interacting with uh, all of our unashamed nation, I call them. And so uh, I love what you're doing. And, and I love that you're speaking, you know, especially to men in our culture. And of course, being a pastor as well, that's always a good bridge to me. So uh, thank you for what you do as well. <laughs> thank you, brother. Once again, men, thank you for listening to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. If you go to thepursuitofmanliness.com, there you can find all the previous podcast episodes as well as links to our social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find a link to our closed Facebook group. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Pursuit of Manliness. And I also want to remind you once again, registration for the next session of Tribe ends May 25th. 2020. Go to com forward slash tribe. Men, let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.